Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Uh, we got our Counterpoint guests all in place and lots to talk about, so let's get to them tonight. Peter Sherman, who is a uh, Comrex? What's Comrex, Peter? Comrex is uh, a piece of equipment. Oh. I'm not a Comrex. I don't know what the hell. I'm it's in my life. I'm looking at it going, what the hell is Comrex? Yeah. Anyway, never well, mind. Let me uh, just say it this way. <laughs> like, what the Comrex is that? why you're not looking at me right now. That's <laughs> Never mind. That's inside business getting out. <laughs> I know. Uh, broadcaster, businessman, and former conservative. Well, let's just leave it there. And Bob Richardson, who I won't surprise with any weird titles, uh, senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Hello. Happy to be here with Comrex. <laughs> like, what the hell's Comrex? Okay. Maybe it's his new business. Um, let's talk about Canada's economy all of a sudden uh, posting these record job gains uh, in April that uh, along, you know, some analysts will say shows that there's a pickup in, in wages, shows that maybe the country's coming out of a six-month um, stint of weakness. So we saw job numbers of 106,000 in April, which blew way past the predicted uh, 12,000 jobs. But it contradicts everything we're being told about this slowing economy. And I want to play you a clip from one uh, chief economist today who says, yeah, no, not buying these numbers. Doesn't add up. Take a listen. Do you really believe that the Canadian labor market is so volatile that we could have an 11,000 decline in the labor force in one month, followed by a 100,000 increase in the next month? Like, is our labor market so vol- more volatile than the stock market is? It's hard to believe. Somehow we're creating record jobs And in the same survey in the United States, they're losing jobs in a significant way. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, calm down a little bit. There's no way that the Canadian economy is running nearly as strong as this number would lend you to suggest. All right. So, you know, the hiring is mostly for youth. It's mostly in jobs in retail and um, construction. I think restaurants were in there as well. But I'll start with you on this, uh, Bob. If some, if, if everything's so great, I mean, the, the job numbers didn't make sense to me because we've got record use of food banks, we've got increased bankruptcies, we have people struggling to get by, you know, 200 bucks away from bankruptcy. Why are the numbers so great if everyone's feeling so, you know, uh, I think, stretched at this point? Well, first I want to congratulate you for taking what should be a positive story <laughs> for the federal liberals and turning it around. That It should be. Hey, if it is, great. <laughs> that was a Nadia Coleman-each style <laughs> twist, and I'm going to give you a 10 out of 10 for that. Excellent. When the economist that you use mm-hmm. is known as the bear of Bay, uh, Bay Street and generally tends to be terribly uh, negative. That being said, and I will say this, I always get a little suspicious when you see these wild swings. And that strikes me, it does sound like it's a bit of a wild swing when you're going up uh, more than 100,000. But the good news is, look, in the last three years, there's been over a million jobs that have been created. Um, Unemployment is at uh, traditionally low levels. This has been the highest number of jobs, particularly in Ontario. And I might add in Ontario, where we were told that Ontario was a disaster fiscally, that the minimum wage was going to cost us tens of thousands of jobs, and that the carbon tax is a disaster. All that nonsense now can be put aside. So the truth of the matter is we've got a pretty good economy. It's not good for everybody yet, and there are uh, pockets where it's not good. But it's not just a Toronto good economy. This economy is hot in Brantford today, where there is record a low unemployment and people are having trouble finding uh, people to work in their plants. So this is generally good news in Ontario. Uh, lots more work to do. But overall, I'm going to say that this, uh, in what has been a charming uh, last three months for federal liberals, <laughs> this, has been a, this has been a pretty decent story today, and we'll take it. 
Yes, you will, and I know you will because you guys are loving this. But again, I, I look when I see when I see a stretch like that, I'm like, well, hundred hundred thousand jobs. So I reached out to Ian Lee, Peter, and he's like, yeah, I'm not so sure. We need to see a couple more months of numbers like this before I actually actually buy it. Absolutely true. And I, I was watching Global News this evening and watching Trudeau almost do as good a dance as he did in India, uh, <laughs> celebrating the fact that uh, this was over 100,000. But the fact of the matter uh, is on that. I, you know, I don't believe this any more or any less than I would believe if it was 50,000 or than I believed last month was 7,000. I think that there's a flawed system there with stats can or you wouldn't have these kinds of wild swings. And I'm not I'm not knocking. I think we have made some jobs and uh, and I'm not going to knock my country the more jobs we make the better off we are but i'd like to get to the bottom of this the economist you played um was absolutely correct i think we all know from studying job numbers over a period of years that when people go off the uh, the list because they've looked for a year or 14 months is it they they get removed from the list uh and i don't know how they get added mm-hmm. the fact is the fact is we have made jobs in ontario and contrary to bob's point it's precisely because we're fighting a carbon tax uh, and we've got a, a good government that's turning things around here that uh, employers are being stimulated. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I only go off of how I'm feeling and, and the fact that my wallet's always empty. And then I go home last night from work, and it's the first time I've heard my husband, who happens to be in the steel industry, says, yeah, we're, start, we're, we're just... Like, something happened yesterday that he said... We're starting to feel it. You know, I can tell that the the it's starting to you know get a little harder to get customers, and it's starting to got to work a little harder. So. I'll wait for a couple of months and see how great the job numbers are, as long as he doesn't lose his job. Well, I just want to know how yeah. we uh, we heard last month from uh, the economists who tell us what's going on in Ottawa, that we could now no longer look at a 2% well, approximate that's... GDP. We're looking at 1.6 to 1.8. Uh, across mm. the border, they're looking at 3.5. You tell me where it's coming from. So, I, you know, I think there's a lot that has to be explained. Well, I just go up 30,000 feet and take a look at it over a three-year period and over a three-year period. There's been a, uh, a fair amount of job growth. Uh, unemployment numbers have come down. Debt-to-GDP ratio is held. Um, a number of trade deals have now been signed. And markets are starting to open up, which is good news. And Canadian businesses, for once, are actually taking advantage of it and starting to work uh, to get in there. So there's, there's reason to be optimistic on things. But that doesn't mean that uh, there won't be rough patches and uh, difficult industries over the next period of time, particularly with the uh, with the administration we have in the U.S. and the situation with a with, very yeah. aggressive uh, government in China, too, as well. So it ain't going to be an easy period of time. But at the end of the day, I think we can briefly say hallelujah. Yeah. All right. We'll give it to you for today, Bob. OK, um, but let's move to the next story because it takes us back off the uh, the positive story. And, uh, you know, three top former conservative cabinet members, one of them, uh, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, have come forward. Um, to provide information uh, and say that they were available to testify for the defense in the breach of trust case against Vice Admiral Mark Norman, and yet none were called by the RCMP. The RCMP never called Mark, uh, Vice Admiral Mark Norman. The Crown didn't seem to see the need to find out what they had. Heads should roll, Bob. Will they, And I've been very curious to hear what your thoughts were on what happened this week, but, but will heads roll in this thing? Uh, you know what? The problem in Ottawa is heads never seem to roll, and I don't care which party's in uh, in office. Heads didn't roll over the Phoenix pay system. Uh. Heads don't roll over procurement that seems to be a constant mess under both parties. Yeah. Heads don't seem to roll on Canada 150 when they had 150 years to prepare and they couldn't get their act together. <laughs> and the Prime Minister didn't show on, up. On July 1st. <laughs> and, and heads don't seem to roll when people do... Uh, do wrong things. So I'm, 
you know, it, it's funny. We dump on whichever the government of the day is, but and we're told that we have one of the best bureaucracies in the world. I'm tired of hearing that because I am just not seeing that. Yep. And I think some of our problems are very much at the senior level of the bureaucracy. Yeah. In terms of the Norman case, um, are, are the people who are responsible for, uh, for the Crown's case, um, is anything going to happen to them? Will the Deputy Minister of Justice get their bonus? Will <laughs> the people who are responsible in all those things just kind of merrily go along? I, think... I, suspect, I suspect that will be the case. And that's part of the problem with the federal government today. And I don't care which party's in power. And I totally agree with you, Bob. And I, you know, Peter, I mean, the RCMP coming out tonight, you know, defending that they did a thorough independent investigation. Well, sit down, like pick your battles. This is not one they should be picking. No, (laughs) you know what? I'm not going to climb that hill with those people. Uh, We have a chief prosecutorial office. And if we're to believe that there was no political interference, and I'm prepared to accept that at face value, then we've got boobs in the uh, the prosecutorial system because they, they made mistakes. And uh, and I agree totally on this one with Bob. You know, there's there's never seems to be any anybody to pay the piper. The only guy who it, it, it cost here, although he's being reimbursed, he can't get his reputation back. He can't get his job back, at least not the one he loved and apparently did well, is Norman. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that is uh, eminently unfair. And, and if the Crown didn't have what it needed, what was it doing? We were going to see Jason Kenney testify. We were going to have members of the Liberal Caucus testify. Mm-hmm. Somebody messed this up. Somebody should pay. Oh, I think several people uh, uh, messed this up. Here's the thing, though, Bob. Interestingly and, and strategically, it's a problem for Trudeau because they're they're counting on on Vice Admiral Mark Norman not speaking, and he made it very clear, uh, I think Wednesday now, uh, that he has a story to tell, and Canadians need to hear it. And so, uh, there's every chance he's going to speak before the election. Well, I think two things. One, he was always going to speak, and I think they were prepared for that, and that there was no reason why he would not speak. But two. What they will not face is a six-week trial led by probably the best lawyer in the country barbecuing <laughs> the uh, federal uh, prosecution office day after day uh, on the even federal election. <laughs> so any way you cut the cake on this one, it's a victory for the federal liberal government this week in that they will not have to face that down the road. Um, I agree. I, I, it, is, it is a victory for uh, Vice Admiral Nor- Norman, mm. and it's not. Mm. Uh, he should not have had to go through this. The length of time it took was ridiculous. The conduct of the Crown was not great. The conduct uh, of the government I, was not great. I, I, I have strong views on the Privy Council office on this one. I think that's where uh, all, all roads will lead to Rome if yep. one starts checking into it. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling there was probably more stupidity going on there than uh, than is normally the case. That's just my gut. No. Trudeau should have put a, an order out, you know, at the beginning of this year saying, stupidity is off for this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, Obviously speaking of, that. they did not do that because uh, that's what we're going to talk about next. And it has everything to do with a video put out for Canadian soldiers no. that were presented as a Nazi. So we'll talk about that. Let's pause there for just a second and take a break. And we will come back here on Point on Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Paul Richardson and Peter Sherman here, guys. It's not just me. <laughs> Let's talk about Veterans Affairs, shall we? Um, they've quickly deleted an online video which was posted on Wednesday. It was to celebrate the 74th anniversary of Vet- uh, V-Day. Upon realizing, though, it showed images of the, well, the Nazis. Um, you know, every image that you saw, which was to honor Canadian soldiers, was actually an image 
of a Nazi. And so today, the minister, the new minister, we should say, of Veterans Affairs had to come out and, well, he pretty much owned it. What happened shouldn't have happened. We will make sure it does not happen again. But the real issue is, is to make sure that we're respectful of what took place. What Thank was you your much. personal reaction? Oh, not good. I bet it wasn't good, Bob. I mean, there's a couple of issues here. First of all, how the heck did this get past anyone's vetting? I mean, they, they have the staff, and these things get vetted. Well, number one, this story would be rejected by the Beaverton, you know, <laughs> for being uh, too ridiculous. Bingo. You had one job <laughs> to do. One. There are dozens of people in the communications branch. It reports to a manager, a director, a director general, probably an ADM and up to the deputy. And you're putting something out publicly that I'm sure had to be reviewed by the Privy Council office too as well. How does something like this happen on an issue so sensitive and so important to so many Canadians? Uh, I happen to know Lawrence McCauley a little bit and let me tell you he's a He's an old-time politician from the uh, from Prince Edward Island. I suspect it was a good dressing down. That would have actually been a good video for them to put up. Uh, people probably would have appreciated it. But again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Uh, I suspect there'll be no consequences for this. Will someone be fired? Will someone be reprimanded? Will the deputy's bonus be held back? I suspect the answer to all those questions is no. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certain mistakes you just can't make, Peter, and, and that would be in Veterans Affairs and probably Indigenous Affairs. You've got to get it right, especially veterans. I mean, they've been treated and kicked around so long by so many governments, and then this? Well, they could have aggravated it by playing Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber, Alles <laughs> as he exited the Commons. But uh, what I got to say about this, it's not funny. It's, uh, you know, well, it's that, funny, that but it's not funny. funny. Well, uh, poor Lawrence McCauley, and and uh, it's it's terribly embarrassing. But I'm going to tell you a little story. I have a trainer who uh, occasionally uh, works out with me, and uh, she's in the area of 45. And one day she put me on a machine, and I said, "This machine is like it was designed by Hitler." And she said, "Who?" No, oh my God, yeah. And I said, "How Hitler. old is she?" You know, Hitler. She says, "Who's Hitler?" Forty-five, oh, and she's educated. She's she's a kinesiologist. Apparently not. Uh, well, not in that sense. And I, I guess what I'm trying to point up is not that I have a stupid trainer because I don't think I do. I think that we we don't put this across enough. You know who this person was and what happened uh, 70, 80 years ago. And, and there's a group of people who are under 45 who are not getting it. Mm. And I suspect that they're the people, you know, people in that age group tend to be at the creative level of, of um, making presentations like this. Somebody put this together who had no idea what they were looking at and nobody bothered vetting it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's not hard to miss the Nazi symbols on the it's, it's I agree. Out, They're yeah. like eagles and things like that. Um, let's talk about the uh, day after the March for Life, um, which was held across the country where a handful of conservative MPPs and MPs went out to support, uh, I guess, the march in, in wherever they were. And, of course, Twitter is ablaze now with this new line of attack, which I know it's a wedge issue, uh, but it's happening federally and here in Ontario, obviously. Um, this kind of bugs me. Look, I'm pro-choice, uh, but I do believe that people have the right to their views. And I'm very confident and comfortable in the fact that the issue of abortion is closed. It's not going to be reopened. And yet here we are, uh, Peter, again, arguing it about abortion. But this is just a, a tactic to, um, to uh, you know, distract and divide. And I think it's very dangerous. 
I think it is too. And I, one of the things that I uh, make clear is while I am a clear-cut conservative, uh, I mean that in a fiscal way because I think most Canadians, the vast majority of Canadians, and you just kind of fessed up yourself, Alex, and, and there's nobody much more conservative than you, um, we're social liberals. Small s, small l. Social liberals. In other words, the issues of same-sex marriage and abortion, those kinds of things, they've been settled. We're not going to litigate them again. You don't have to like them. You can even be pro-choice. As you pointed out, people are, and and they came out of the woodwork yesterday. But lay off. It is not going to be legislated, nor should it be. And it shouldn't be politicized, Bob. Not in this climate. I mean, to me, the ship has sailed, but it is so political. Well, you know, one thing I will say on this, I tend to agree. I'm pro-choice, but I'm a Catholic, and I, I know that there are people who have uh, different views than mine, and I accept that. But uh, but at the same time, when you say it's political and we shouldn't use it, well, who is the person that used it the most in the last two years? Well, that would be one Andrew Scheer, who went to all these groups to make sure he had their support when he was securing the conservative leadership. So it's a bit rich on one hand to do the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, I'm with you, uh, I support you, and do all that, and then turn around and say to the opposition, oh, it's terrible, you can't bring this up. It's an issue that we've all dealt with in the past. Well, no one's saying you can't bring it up. I just think people should be allowed to. He's been playing footsie with with those groups. And he refuses to, uh, you know, he's very careful about the words that he uses all the time, not to not to cheese them off. So, you know, he's playing a bit of a political game there. And frankly, you pay a little price when you do that. Yeah, but Bob, you know this as, as well as I do. That's a big tent party and uh, as much as the liberals are, yeah. which means that you're going to wind up with people in that tent who have those particular kinds of views. And, and more so from out west than, uh, than here in, in central Canada or out east. And and so, you know, they're welcome in the tent. They're not going to change the rules. You're not going to have an elected Andrew Scheer who's suddenly going to put abortion on the table. You're not going to have Doug Ford walk it back and, and uh, become Tanya Granick Allen. It's just you know not going to happen. I, I give Doug Ford credit. He was very clear about it. And he said, we're not doing this. You never hear... Uh, an unequivocal statement like that from Andrew Scheer. He's sort of always doing the dance of the seven veils a little bit on the issue of abortion and then on the issue of uh, support for the LGBTQ community. He's always, again, doing a little bit of the dance of the seven veils. So, and you know who's not helpful? Sam, who's not <laughs> no, helpful he's, here. No, he's in a bad week. No Sam, worry about Sam, him Sam stay in Niagara. <laughs> oh, Sam, just, just stay inside, all right, guys? No worry about him taking the presidency of the Mensa Society, <laughs> no. but... Uh, uh, he's not helpful to the conservative cause on this issue either. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there were some some conversations happening. All right, guys, I've got to leave it there, but I thank you so much for joining me on this Friday. Have a terrific weekend. Have a good day. Thanks, Alex. That is Peter Sherman joining us and Bob Richardson tonight here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.